1: I begin
0: to tell the story <laughs> of how great a love can be. Okay, right. I, I have to start with a story about you. Okay, that's good. Okay, so first of all, I'm going to say dream guest today. Today is dream guest. We can name this episode dream guest.
1: Oh, Judy. I can okay.
0: die. I can die. I can die tomorrow. I can die right now. Judy looks okay. like she's about to I'm, kill me, so I'll So, all right. So when I started doing stand-up, I right. was in college, okay. as you were. Right. Um, what school were you at? Rutgers. Uh-huh. Now, I think I've told the story before on the show. Um, I had, someone had dared me to do stand-up <laughs> for Secret Santa, and that was the first time I did it. I yeah. had to write material about the people who lived on my floor. Then I was entered into a talent show okay, uh, that Rutgers was having, and I won. And uh, I got to perform with uh, some people from Catch a Rising Star, oh. and it was Larry Amoros, Bill Sheft, and Adrian Tolsch.
1: Oh my God!
0: So I got to do five minutes, mm-hmm. and after that five minutes, yeah, um, I Adrian said to me, "Kid, you got to come to Catch. I'm the MC." Of course, I thought, "Oh, I'm going to be getting on. Oh, I'll be on the Tonight Show next week, <laughs> right?" Yes. Um, and I started going in every Monday night and hanging out.
1: That's what you had to do. Yeah, hang like out. all
0: night right. till two, three. Sometimes I didn't get on, but I didn't care.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One night, it was one of the first nights I was there. You walked in, and I was so starstruck. It was like really. I, I I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Carol Lee, Leif- because I had watched you uh-huh. um, on the Tonight Show. And didn't you do the. T- I don't I know didn't, if you had no. done Letterman. It was Letterman. was Letterman. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I didn't do the Tonight Show until very Very late.
0: later. Okay. So I had watched. Yeah, because I didn't even watch the Tonight Show. So I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, and I remember seeing you, and I was just like, I, I can't. That was one of my first memories of like being in a club in New York. Wow. And you were, you know like where the doors were uh-huh. and then the bar was. Um, yes, you, Like the if left. you walked in, was on the left and you were sta- leaning against the wall on the right talking to someone and I almost shit in my pants. Oh my so, God. So ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we are talking about the one, the only, the incredible. Carol Leifer oh, is here! Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Ooh. I mean, it, I can't even tell you. I was like, you were like my hero. Uh, I, I mean, you know, because there weren't a lot. No. There weren't a lot to choose from. I mm-hmm. mean, I had my heroes of, you know, Joan, and I loved Toadie Fields, you know. Um, and I loved Mom's Maze, Mabley because she was so down and, you know, dirty. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. And you were just such a master joke writer and just made me giggle like you made me it was you uh I mean you still are but I'm just saying it was you know like when you walk in a club and you see someone
1: yeah it's kind of like when I first time I went to catch and I saw Elaine Boosler I Uh think because I was like
0: if someone like that could do it maybe I could do it right right yeah. Well, oh, I'm very honored. Thank you. So, just so you know, you've had a major impact on me.
1: Okay. Um, I'm just glad that story didn't end and Then I went over to you, and you were so mean. <laughs> no, you didn't.
0: I think I was too <laughs> nervous to even talk to you.
1: Because <laughs> um, I remembered working with you, even.
0: But well, I remember when we you... worked together, um, we did something because Lori David yes. got us something. Right. Or Lori Leonard at the ben. time. Ben. Yes. and Leonard. Yeah. And... Um, I was in Boston. Yeah, we were in Boston, and I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe it. I'm working with Kara." I was like freaking out. But I, re- you know what I remember about that? What? You remember Cindy Eaton? She yes. was this comic, and you kept asking me if you, th- if I thought she was a lesbian.
1: Oh really? Yes. That's and I very was like, odd.
0: yeah, and I was like, God, she's asking me all these lesbian questions, hmm. and um. Because I was a less I don't I don't know because I've been really hiding it for, so <laughs> and I was like oh Carol's really interested in in you that know. is very interesting yeah. shape so- of things to come yes the shape of water <laughs> the winner is Carol um Topical. your resume really I I don't think anyone else really can even compare to you know what you've done as far as you know writing for I mean you're just so fucking successful. But the thing that I you're so positive. I do, how can you be a comic and be so positive? You're just so positive. I am. I am
1: positive. I'm I'm But I'm, were you
0: always like that? I
1: um, I don't know necessarily, but I know that to be successful, and what I talk about in my book. Yes,
0: I've I read this book called How to Succeed to read. in Business without Really Crying. Yes, I'm holding it up like we have a like we're on television. <laughs> um, it's such a great read, um, and it's really gets you get the essence of you. Thank you. In it, and the stories are fantastic. But yeah, you are one of the most positive people I've met in this business. Well, I am... And HIV am... positive as well. <laughs> <laughs> wait, where's my bell? Is there? It's too Oh, nice. wait. I didn't... Carol Leifer, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, That's the Jew okay. bell. Anytime right. we mention anything remotely Jewish, <laughs> the bell rings.
1: Well, I am positive because I found that negativity um, will always get in your way and trip you up and not lead you towards success. So... When you realize that things are not personal because we're comics, we're sensitive people, and that it's not personal, and you can let things roll off your back, things will go a lot better.
0: I'm still working on that.
1: Are you really? Yeah. It's yeah.
0: Not working. <laughs> okay. Um, so let. Can we start? Let's start at the beginning. You grew up on Long Island. Yes. Mother, psychologist. Mm-hmm. Father, optometrist. Yes. Um. And your father was the funny one.
1: My father was hysterical. Yeah, he was a he was the tummler
0: Oh, I didn't do that for Of the neighborhood, or... as we oh, there we go. <laughs>
1: neighborhood is not Jewish. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he was funny. He uh, liked to tell jokes. Was good at telling jokes. And I watched him as a little girl telling jokes. And I saw how he captivated people and got attention, right. and brought people together by being funny, and that had a huge impact on me.
0: And it seems like if you, the more you read about you, like he would have, he would have liked. To do he what you would did. would have yes. liked to.
1: But it's interesting, and I'm trying to kind of dissect it now. When I asked him, because I said went to him once, Dad, why did you never go into it? And he was like, in my generation, you know, we had to make a living. Like, right. you didn't, that, that wasn't that dream right. accessible. It was, you did, you got a job, and you found right. optometry, and that's what you did. So I always felt badly that he could never pursue it. But same time, I know... I know my uh, I knew my dad really well, and I do think what you have to go through would have been uh, too much for him.
0: Yeah, that's because I I interviewed my mother for my twenty five questions for a Jewish Mother Show. Yeah, yeah. And I said, "Thank you." I said to her, um, "What? Oh, sorry. What would you have done if you hadn't had children?" And she said, "I would have done what you. I mean, you know, what you do." And I thought. I, I can't even imagine her in an audition, like, and them saying, okay, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I work so goddamn. Thank you. For, I drove here. You know, I just yeah, yeah. can't imagine her dealing with the constant, right? You're a piece of crap. Yes. Um, next. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um. Okay. So you get to, I mean, pretty normal childhood. Very normal. Like, no um, rape or pillaging or homelessness or... I mean, just really... But the mother psychologist, that must have been really hard.
1: The mother psychologist is definitely a trip. Um, I joke about it in my act, but it's true. Like, the shrink hat is always on. Right. You know, like, I remember driving with my mom, practicing when I was in high school, and I accidentally hit a squirrel And I felt horrible, obviously. And my mom was like, you know, Carol, clearly the squirrel displayed suicidal tendencies. (laughs) (laughs) So, but there's, yeah, there's always the analytic. But I, I think I'm a true mixture of both my parents because my mom was serious and analytic and very... Uh, mellow side, and my dad was, you know, the joke teller and the right. social butterfly, and and I feel like I got kind of a, a good mix of both of them.
0: And it's you can see that in your comedy as well. Thank you. You're, Thank welcome. You. <laughs> You're welcome. You're um, welcome.
1: <laughs> but I remember a funny story about my mom. At some point, my uh, brother was dating a woman that um, he brought home, but it was clear at the table that nobody liked her. And was she Jewish? She was, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and um, I remember going in the kitchen and my mother came in carrying a casserole and just looked at me and casserole. said, she's very hard to take. And then just went right in.
0: <laughs> she's very, very hard even, to take. Hard did he marry take? her?
1: No, he did not. Mm. No. So um, it's just that uh, she made me laugh the way that she would remember right. things like that. Right.
0: Um, and you were into theater. Mm-hmm. And then you go to Binghamton I did um, but here's the thing you were a cheerleader like you're I think you're the only <laughs> female comic who was a cheerleader in high school
1: I, I have to say yeah I, I don't have a lot of the same stories that my female brethren right. have.
0: Like, yeah. I was in the marching band and I was six feet tall at 13. And I got called Bigfoot and Sasquatch every day. And I hated school so much. And I'm reading you, and you're, it's like, and I was in high, I was the cheerleader. And I was like, oh! Um All right. So you go to Binghamton and, um, which is a great school, by the way. Yeah. But it wasn't called Binghamton when you Soon- went to it.
1: Well, SUNY Binghamton Harper College. I right. think now it's just called Binghamton University. Yeah, but it's
0: really hard to get into. I
1: know. I don't even think I would get into Yeah.
0: That. They're all hard to get into yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And you uh, befriend Paul Reiser.
1: Yes. We're in the same theater group.
0: Right. I mean, like, what are the... Ch- I like? Oh, wait. Paul Reiser. Sorry. What are the chances... <laughs> That that you're in the same theater group and you're both major stars, like it's, it's unbelievable. Like usually, the percentage of that happening is you know, one is low. Yeah, Yeah. but
1: the thing that Paul had that I'd never met before with anybody was that he he said to me um, because he was so funny, right, and still is, but. He was like, oh, you know, summer as I go down to New York City, he grew up in, in the city, and he said, and I audition at these comedy clubs. And it was literally like, what is he talking about? Right, I don't right. know what, I was thought, like, is he like Vic Damone or like right. he has his act? <laughs> I mean, what what's going on? Yeah. And, So he was the first person who told me about this world because I'm always fascinated with talking to other comics, especially ones like us who go so far back. Like, how did you even find out about this world? Right. Like, I don't know if I would have had I not met Paul. And then I went and watched him do an open mic night. Where was it? At Catch. And he was very funny because, Mm -hmm. you know, doing five minutes and he he was good right away.
0: Do you know who was emceeing? Was it Belzer or?
1: It probably was David Say because that's who I'm seeing when I went on stage the first time. Um, And then it was like, oh, I like this world because I've always said that as opposed to acting or we got to find an agent and go to class and develop a method. Right. You know, I was in college. I I stood online during the day and I got a number and I went on that night. That's the best thing about being a comedian.
0: It's like you're equal, you're on an equal playing field. Yes. Like you, I remember doing it for the improv and catch and, you know, you stood online, you got your number. The other thing, and you had written, wrote about this in the book too, which I like to tell the young comics these days. <laughs> right. It, you know, you write about, you when you auditioned, you know, too bad if the audience, if someone puked in the audience right before you went on, uh-huh. you know, it, it, too bad if someone was doing filthy material before you got, you know. You had one shot at getting stuff, and, yes. and and you had to do it live. It wasn't like you had, could tape yourself over. And I mean, these kids these days mm-hmm. have no idea how easy they have it. <laughs> I mean, easy in what respect? Well, I feel like they. I feel like you, you know, as far as, I mean, like I remember those SNL auditions, and I remember. um going on at catch when you never knew who was going to be in the audience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, it you know, the circumstances would be against you. Like, yeah. just, you know, just a bad crowd mm-hmm. or, you know, they got the checks, check spot, you know, anything. But it was too bad. That was your slot. It yeah. was, you know.
1: But I, that's what I still love about stand-up though. Right. Whenever you're talking to young people, it's like, the only way you're going to learn to do it is, is reading my book mm-hmm. and then and doing it there's no other way right. out and that hasn't changed since day one right when somebody made people laugh you know doing jokes about fire and the wheel right in prehistoric days, you gotta right. get up and do it and that's the only way you learn how right. to do it i love these people that are like oh i took a class like am i ready to go on fallon now it's like no, no.
0: <laughs> right
1: no, you have to really, that's the only way. And the only way to write new material right. is to keep doing it and doing it in front of people and, you know, that that process, shaping it.
0: And, you know, I always say, get, there isn't something you get from stage time. You can't get it any other way, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. You can sit there at a computer and write and write and write jokes, but unless you get on stage... and do them you have no idea a if they were i mean there's so many times i write a bit and i think it's the funniest thing Mm -hmm. and then i go on and i'm like are you kidding like but i'm that's how i am so i'm like are you really yeah you don't think and i'll do it i'm so relentless i'll keep doing it until it's just like judy you're wasting and then you have to give up right and
1: the other thing that people i always find don't know about comedy is that you know the biggest question is always like does a joke work in New York but it won't work in Omaha? It's like it's amazing how universal right. humor is. Right. And if a joke doesn't work in New York, it's probably not gonna work in and San it, Diego. Right. A joke is a joke. And right. if people either respond to it or not. I mean obviously I have like I have New York jokes right. that right. people will laugh at because of the right. York. Right about the subway. Right. Yeah. yeah. But um I, I find that fascinating about humor.
0: So you uh you, decide, you go to this open mic night, and then you say to your parents, listen, I mean... A well, Jewish- I passed the audition. Right, you passed at yeah. catch.
1: Yeah, I didn't want to sound like a crazy person. Right. You went to audition, and then decided to leave yeah. college.
0: Yeah, and you say to your parents, listen, I, I got to do this. I need to go to Queens College. Yes, I'll uh, transfer
1: uh, to Queens College, now- which was a good thing because my mom graduated from there.
0: Oh! Yeah. Um... All right. So that was good. Right. So it wasn't like you were saying you were being fully Jewish and saying, I'm going to get my degree.
1: Yes. And- but I think in retrospect, I look at my parents now and I they were so great about it. Right. I can't believe how great right. they were. Because you,
0: you have you. Well, we'll get to your child yeah. soon.
1: But that they but, but I remember my dad saying two things. He was like, Carol, you got to strike while the iron's hot. Right. And when I look back now, I passed the audition at a comedy club. It wasn't exactly an <laughs> iron getting hot. And the other thing he said, which always makes me laugh to this day, was, Carol, it's a cash business, and you can't <laughs> beat cash. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think also he wanted me to pursue his dream. And right. my mother confided in me many years later that I she thought it was something I was going to get out of my system. And that's fine. We're, you know, And that's also... The benefit of youth. When you're right. 21, you can say, "Oh, I, I want to feel like doing this," and nobody gets too worked right. up
0: about it. It's funny because Phyllis Diller started 37. Oh, I c- still can't. And left her that. kids. You know? Wow, I didn't know that part. Yeah. Well, she had to because he wasn't making any money. Uh, and boy, was she talented. I have yeah. so many notes that I had wrote while I was reading your book. <laughs> um, you got oh, also when you were growing up, comedy albums. Yes.
1: Well, that's the other thing that I feel we were lucky to have grown up in the time that we did, you were captive to your parents' tastes. Right, what they right. played in the living room was right. what you listened to. Right. And I was lucky that my parents, you know, not only with musical comedy, I mean, I could lip sync Fiddler on the Roof right. and albums like that, but they loved all the great comedy albums of the time. 2,000-Year-Old Oh, man, right, Fiddler on the Roof, yes. Um, Vaughn Meter, yeah. Alan Sherman, and but not only that it created this atmosphere in the house of loving and revering comedy right watching the comics on Ed Sullivan it was just all around me
0: and you la- and you did it together was your brother like that too or the whole family did yeah cuz it you know it's interesting that, you know because my humor comes from <laughs> you know my the humor in my household is just sarcasm sarcasm and depression uh-huh. and sadness you know and it's just like it's and your it's, podcast is called kill me now yeah, yeah it's just it's like it's it's what i would have probably you know wished for yeah, you know and yeah. uh-huh. this like this great family did you get Bob Mitzvah? no i didn't till uh
1: in my 40s Lori, uh my wife and i got bat mitzvah together oh, okay i those. got a vomit
0: that is so beautiful so nice um, that is so sweet.
1: Yeah, yeah, we both decided. Do you have to tallit? Oh, here's here's the crazy part. I wore the tallest that my dad wore at his bar mitzvah in 1930.
0: No way. I did. Wait. So when was your father born? 1917.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. Mine was
0: 1916. Wow. Oh, whoa. Okay. I don't
1: normally meet people who, because my dad was. My parents were older.
0: Same. My mother was 41 when I was... She was born in 22. Mm hmm And my father's born in 1916. Wow. I know. That was the other fantastic part of that. (laughs)
1: Uh, Okay, so... But here's... You know, the other thing, though, that I think is important in, in the formative years... Yes. ...was... I also worked for my dad. He was—he had an office in Queens Boulevard, his mm-hmm. optometry office.
0: What was the name of it? Just... I cite opticians. Oh. I don't know if they're
1: still there or not. But I worked for him uh, for a, uh, two summers. And what was great about it was I got to see my dad as a boss. And he was not only a really good boss, but he was a good shopkeeper. Like I think of it all the time when I'm just out in the world. Like a big thing with my dad was... If people were waiting in the waiting room, he would walk in and go, "Hi, everybody. We're going to get to you all. Sorry oh. about the wait. You know, just hang in there." And now I always say this to Lori whenever we're somewhere like nobody's saying anything about the, uh, you know uh, the wait, and it you know, just takes one second to go acknowledging people right. and, and that kind of stuff. And his employees loved him. Right. And,
0: that says a lot.
1: Yeah, and his work ethic of being on time and you know being positive. Right. So, I think that was good for me to see, too.
0: Wow. And he lived through the Depression and still... Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Wow. Was he really cheap?
1: He was... I'm trying to... I'm working on a bit about it now. Like, I remember... You know, because it was like growing up in generic hell. Right. Because it was like I wanted Tropicana orange juice. Right, right, right. Frozen orange juice. Right, same. And wanted a tv guide but it's like the
0: listings are in the paper i never used 411 ever (laughs) right you if you oh my god and the and the thermostat don't even touch it was (laughs) like minus 20 degrees icicles on my on my comforter you know absolutely
1: oh even like i would go to my best friend's house she had tropicana you know or like that kind of stuff and i remember buying when i was An adult. My dad opened my fridge and I had this small Tropicana individual thing. So he was like, Carol, you're paying for the packaging. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, yeah, no. And it's still in me now because I um, totally am a bargain hunter. And, uh, you know, it's in your DNA.
0: Right. I I went the complete opposite. (laughs) uh, And I hate myself for it because...
1: How do you... you because yeah. I'm
0: like, you know what? I could die tomorrow. I'm going to get the, you know. Right. And but there's a good side to that, too. Right. But then you have to stop doing that after a while. <laughs> <laughs> you realize there's, you can't afford the steak. find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast-growing trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day alive and thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever, forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked in my apartment. What was the first thing I did is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but fast-growing trees has changed my atmosphere here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces. But I live in an apartment, and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew, you need to be around plant life this spring. They have the best deals online up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code Judy gold, J U D Y G O L D at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code Judy gold at checkout fastgrowingtrees.com code Judy gold, Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. All right. So you um, you pass. You go to Queens College. You graduate. Yeah. And here you are. You're you're just doing stand up.
1: I'm just. Well, no. I graduated. Right. I would go to school by day. Right. And um, do my sets, set's at, at night. night. And then um. Uh, we're, I, and you're living at home? I was living at home on Long Island. But it was so funny because um, it was so new, stand-up comedy. I was a theater major. Like, my theater professor, who I just realized like a week ago, his name was Paul Maharis, And I'm looking at West Side Story. Yeah. He was George Maharis's brother. And I didn't even realize that until this many years later. Funny. Isn't that
0: incredible? Yeah.
1: But anyway, he was like, why don't you do an independent study and tape your... Uh, I don't even know if we call them sets and yeah, take right. their performances, and we'll listen to them, and you know. So I got credit for doing. Stand-up. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. Um, do you do you remember the? You know, people don't know that the comedy clubs had a band. The Catcher right. Rising Star yes. had a band. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat Benatar used to go in there. Oh my oh. god!
1: I tell that story about how when I waited online with Paul to get numbers to go for audition night. Uh, she bree- she had already kind of made it and she breezed in to rehearse during the day and she turned around to the line and she went hang in there guys it works <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's hilarious yeah. um I I just you know I did my DNA 23 May yeah and I got a message from Eddie Rabin
1: Oh, he told me that.
0: Yeah, we're cousins. We're second cousins. That is
1: crazy. The shortest
0: Jewish piano (laughs) player. He was the piano player at Catch a Rising Star. Oh, my God. And he's like four feet tall. He's like Paul Schaefer, light.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. He told me that on Facebook. Oh, Uh, my
0: God. He's like, are you? All right. Anyway, okay, so. So I graduated from Queens,
1: but then I needed to uh, have a day job. Right. So. Oh, this is, I
0: love this story.
1: Uh, well, first I went to this. Um, I forgot who recommended this guy. Um, I went. I worked at Candler Coffee Company, but that mm-hmm. it didn't work. And then he said, "I have a friend, Candler, yeah, who is um, a private eye." I, I love that, yeah. And he needs a secretary, so I thought right away. And you have to be a certain age to get this reference. Oh my God, I'll be like Peggy from Mannix. <laughs> and he said, "Go over." And it's so funny because I came down Seventh Avenue to get here, and his, his office was 450 7th Avenue. And he said he needs a secretary, and I met with this guy. His name was George, who was the private eye.
0: But but, uh, describe how you, like before you went in, what you thought you were going to be walking into.
1: Well, like a, yeah, like a private eye. Right. Like, you know, just uh, kind of this romantic kind of thing. Right, right. And it was a guy who gave... Polygraph tests to people that wanted to work at places like Burger King right. and escort services. <laughs> so the waiting room was like potential hookers and Stormy Daniels, yeah, right, yeah. and uh, burger slingers. Right. But what was great about the job was he was like, "I just need a typist to r- write up these reports," and I was like, "Great, um, I can type." And I I just said to him, because you know, from being a comic, I was going on at one and two in the morning, right. I said instead of 9 to 5 would you consider letting me work from 11 to 6 with no lunch and he said great and then I had my job so, so I did that amazing. for about a year
0: yeah i remember when i started and i worked too i was a typesetter cuz i typed really fast too uh-huh. and then you could you i worked for magazines and you'd code the you know you'd like input the articles right Right. And code all the font and everything and um i i did it for money and then eventually when i didn't have to work as many hours i said can i work enough hours just to make have health insurance Uh uh-huh um and you know a lot of i remember i don't know if it was like this with you but there were a lot of comics who would have no money and just complain and not work during the day and just whine and complain right that they had no money and i was like get a fucking job
1: yeah, well, I'm surprised at that because I had to work because I got an apartment. Right.
0: And uh, how am I going to make right, my Right, but there rent? were, yeah, remember, the, like there were people in their cars and I don't know. All right, so you're very responsible. <laughs> um, okay, so you start getting gigs. Yes. Like, and it, like uh, it, let's explain the time. So we're in the 80s. It's
1: late, not even the 80s. The it's late it's 70s, the 70s. right?
0: And right. And it's about to boom.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, comedy's about to become yeah, this I huge. I remember
1: I got this job to do Baruch College. I waited for it. Sorry. And it was a hundred bucks.
0: Wow, that must have been a Yeah,
1: while. and that was like, oh my God, I'm in the money. Right. Like, amazing. And it was gigs like that that, and then, you know, like these Jersey gigs that right. were always like 40 bucks.
0: Right, right. And that wasn't, like, that bad. Right. I remember at... Did you ever work at Comedy U, Grand? You were gone. But um, there was... This, was that Barry Katz's
1: room? No, it was... Oh, that was um, Boston Comedy. That Park.
0: was... Uh, what was his name? The two got Bert and... Uh, Ernie. Ha, I'm glad you said <laughs> it. I got into trouble. Bert... Oh, I forgot. Bert Haas, I think his name was. And I forgot the other guy. But he, we found out he did porno movies. Anyway... Um, <laughs> They, they had a woman's comedy night. This is where I met all my generation, you know, um, Wanda and, you know, right, all right. these. Uh, and they had uh, a woman's comedy night on Thursday night. And I remember the first time they paid me and I got $5. Uh, and I was like, right?
1: wow. Yeah. I'm Incredible feeling. Yeah. Amazing. And even... Like making 40 bucks to do Jersey gigs. That's a lot for yeah, that period of yeah, time. Yeah, that wasn't bad. I remember, you know, you'd get in these cars with oh, these people d- that oh you god! not know. And I remember getting in the car once and the guy was driving me. I was like, "Um, you don't have a rear view mirror. <laughs> and he was like, honey, you get it all from the sides.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like the side mirrors cover you. There, there were a, There were comics at that time who were so bad, but they had a car. Yeah. At, who would only get the gigs because, because they, they, they had a car. People. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, Minervini. What were the, what, uh, Minervini. Gary Grant? Do you remember Gary Grant? No. Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, were... Jim Balazzo. Oh, yes. I did a lot of gigs for yeah. him. And, um, Jerry Stanley. Right. A, you know, it's so funny. He's a
0: Facebook friend of mine. hmm. Um, yeah, people like that. So who, who were you? So, you so, Larry David was emceeing... At Catch. At Catch when you passed. And Jerry Seinfeld was emceeing at the strip, comic yes. strip, when mm-hmm, you passed. Mm-hmm. And you didn't know them before. No. Um, And they sort of become your cohorts. Yes. Uh I mean, can you just... All right, we have Paul Reiser, you, Jerry, Larry. I mean, this crop, who else was...
1: Larry Miller.
0: Oh, Larry Miller. I loved him. Was part of oh, that. Oh, wait, sorry. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, You know, the comics of my. Mark Schiff. Yes. Love um, him.
0: He's very Jewy, Mark Schiff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's very into it. Yeah. Um, Rita Rudner was at Catch right. at the time. Nancy Parker. I don't think oh, she's. Oh, I love
0: Nancy. I still see Nancy. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Is she still performing?
0: No. Done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She was so talented. Oh, and Adrian. Yes. That's the comic yes. Strip? Bill right. Shaft.
1: I he- hadn't met him quite yet. Right. I don't think.
0: Larry Ambrose. Uh, but He's, Gilbert, yeah. Gottfried,
1: yes. um, uh, um,
0: Ronnie Shakes.
1: Ronnie Shakes, yes. But Gilbert and um, Fred Stoller. Oh, yeah. I love Freddie. Yeah, yeah. So all those. I mean,
0: people. was there anyone from your group that didn't make it? Plenty. Really? yeah, yeah, there are a lot of people that went by uh, the wayside yeah,
1: and, yeah, just couldn't uh, couldn't bear it what you have to
0: bear. oh mm. it's and it's unbearable. Yeah. hey ladies. Uh, so <laughs> you start <laughs> you start um you start getting you know these gigs. when do you realize when do you quit first of all, when do you quit your day job?
1: I quit my day job about a year. I did that from like, I think, September to June. Right. And And then then you were making enough
0: money. And when did you move out of your parents' house?
1: Oh, I had moved out when I took the secretary job. when you got, all right. Yeah. And? And I lived with my friend, Jim Matthews, who I'm still friends with, who I was a backup singer for his cabaret act. Really? moved into an apartment.
0: Do you have a good voice?
1: Um, no, no. He had the really good voice. Right. He was backup, but right. he. Um, we found an apartment at 64th and Lex for f- a fourth floor walk up, for 450. Wow. Yeah.
0: How many bedrooms? Two. What? How many bathrooms? One. That's all right. I yeah. One, I have one bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a loser. All right. Uh, when do you realize? Okay this is working this is you know i'm i'm on my way that's a I mean, very you, good question because you get those moments yeah. through your whole career but when was the first time you were like oh yeah this is this is it this is
1: probably when you know we had the new york laugh off um and i, I think hate it's so those. funny i know that there are still contests right but it was I was the only woman and it was uh, the five contestants were Eddie Murphy who came in last me uh-huh. mm-hmm. Rick Overton mm-hmm. Mark Schiff and mm-hmm. Steve Middleman who won Oh Steve middleman yeah he yeah. got
0: he um, had no chin and then he got one right
1: <laughs> and then it was um
0: my mother wanted me Showtime. to marry him oh did she well because uh, he was tall yeah and I guess I I did a gig and my parents uh, came. And my anytime there was a tall guy, mm-hmm. near, Judith, look, yeah. and I was like, he's has a penis. I didn't say that, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> Judith, he's tall, and you know, tall men are not attracted to tall women. They're not. No, because it's they probably get the same. They like short women. Uh huh. And short guys and black guys love tall women. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Short guys, though, often feel um, less than when they're with a the tall... They make it a big deal. Yeah. What, what do you mean? They make it a big deal like that uh, the woman wants to wear heels or, or you know, they feel emasculated by their right. height. Okay. I'm still wanting you to shave that mustache thing. <clears throat> and that is why it is still on my face. Okay. <laughs> anyway...
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that was around right. the time that I developed a bit of a problem with alcohol. Right. Because I was drinking to get loose and to Before lose you my want, nerves. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, and how did you stop?
1: I just, it was a couple of years of drinking wine, and then it, be, it started to become white. mm mm-hmm. It became a problem because it became all about timing. And one glass of wine became, I need two glasses of wine. I have to get to the club at this time to drink it and then get buzzed. And and then I got the Letterman show and then it was like, I'm not, I, I remember I did something where I opened for Robert Klein for a radio show and I was in the green room drinking wine and I was thinking, this is
0: bad. Right. This is
1: not good. Right. And... When I got the Letterman show, I made a vow to myself. I said, I'm not going to be, I, I got to cut this off at the past now. So I just right. went cold turkey. And I had a for a couple months, had to relearn uh, being nervous and performing being nervous. Right.
0: That's so interesting. Yeah. I'm, I, n- I never,
1: never, ever, ever. I won't
0: do anything. Yeah.
1: I mean, and to this day, I right. don't. And I'm happy that it didn't become a real alcohol problem where right. I had to go to AA or anything. Right. And I just stopped. But it definitely was a problem. I
0: don't, don't you think you're better without doing it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, It's like, I feel like I need every synapse of my brain and I want to know everything that's going on. Yes. No, you know. And then I have my wine afterwards. Mm -hmm. But uh, they're still comics. I remember Lou DiMaggio used to stand there with his, I don't know what he had, he had a little glass. And I was like, how is he doing his act and drink? Like, I don't.
1: Yeah. Um, and I'm still that way when I go to an industry party because a lot of times I'd like to drink, right. but I don't because I want to be sharp for right. who I meet and right. run into and what I say.
0: Right. No, I, I get wasted at the, <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so you get Letterman. Mm-hmm. How many times did you audition before you got Letterman?
1: Um, I only he he saw me on the new york laugh off right and recommended me to the tonight show right and they turned me down but then when letterman got his show right. they called my agent and said oh you, you know will she come on the show right so that's how it happened
0: do you remember your first joke you did on letterman
1: um oh god somebody just put it up on youtube recently i'm not sure what the first one was
0: i remember your act you do i remember um You do that to me, two, three, and I do that. Oh, that after you're with someone for a real long time, sex sex becomes a well choreographed mambo. Mambo.
1: Very good. Yes. Yes.
0: And then I remember, bye bye now. Bye bye. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye -bye." Stole it. Stole it. Everyone stole that. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) I remember that. I was like, that's Carol Leafers. So you do Letterman. Mm hmm. Um, did a- anything change? Like, were the comics like eh, Carlton Letterman?
1: No, I, you know, and I'm, sh- I'm assuming you felt this at the time that we came up as well. People were very supportive. Yes, and it wasn't
0: people who wanted to trip you. And you know. it was. It's such a tight community. Yeah, like it's. I don't know if it's. I think it's like that now. I mean, I still go out. Like four nights a week Where to the cellar. Go? I go to the cellar I, mm-hmm. all the time. I go to Westside. I mean, like I'm still like I just I heard started that West Side
1: doing. Westside comedy club is good. I like it. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I still go out like I just started. Um, and it, I, I don't know. There's something like when John Joseph is there or someone. Uh, you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. that it's uh you just want to hug and I don't know. It's different. It's I mean, I think they're really, they're you know, the people that of the next generation are really close, I guess. But there's a little bit of... They've got they're their own groups, but it definitely is more saturated cli- now. And it's mm-hmm. clicky. It's kind of clicky. It is. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like, oh, clicky. you're... In, yeah.
1: Are there a lot of women, more women? Yes.
0: Uh, um. Yes. And I'm going to not say who, but the other night I did, I was working... And I saw a young woman on stage and I went in to watch because I love supporting the ladies. And I was watching and then I was, you know, she was in the middle of a bit. So I was trying to figure out what she was talking about. And then I heard, and yeah, and that's what happens when you take a shit. And I was like, I can't, I can't take it. <laughs> yeah. And then she started talking about anal. And I thought, what, what, did, what did we do? This is not feminism. Yeah, Feminism isn't like talking like a like a jerk guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just was like, there's so many other topics yeah. that we can cover. No,
1: that bothers me as yeah. well.
0: Um, and that gets really old really quick. Right. And, you know, it was and it remains really about doing the work. That's mm-hmm. what the thing is. Like, you have to do the work. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't want to do the work Mm -hmm. um so all right you do letterman um now i i wrote down a bunch of like great stories uh of you going on the road okay okay number one the beach boys oh the beach boys
1: all right well So right after I did Letterman, it went really well the first time. And then they invited me back. I was on April 1st. Then they invited me May. Right. And then they said, come back in September. Right. And the third time that I did the show, my agent got a call that Carl Wilson, this is how long I've been around. Carl Wilson, a beach boy who is dead. Dead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Got in touch with my agent and said, "Uh, we want to offer Carol opening for us in Lake Tahoe Christmas week. So I was excited, right. but I was nervous too. Right. Because I was a little green for the casino right. crowds. I didn't know that yet, right. but I was. And I went and did this gig and to say that it did not go well was an understatement. Just people ate me up and they were talking and no one policing the room, it, you, no one watching the The Beach Boys tuning up While I was on stage.
0: (laughs) I know. I read that. Like, it's so rude.
1: I know. And I had to go back. to No manager or agent with me. Just going, Beach Boys, can you not tune up while I'm on? And finally, culminating in a New Year's Eve show or Christmas or I don't know, whatever, where there are a bunch of frat boys right down front who gave me so much shit were pulling on my mic cord. So, no
0: literally. way. Literally. Uh, I read that in the yes. book, but I'm acting yeah. like I'm surprised.
1: <laughs> what? Yeah, pulling on my mic cord out of my
0: d- It's so unbelievable, the crap yes. that that we had. Tell the story about the corporate gig uh, with they didn't have a spotlight. Oh. This is the best story. Oh,
1: this is a very, well, a very loving story about yeah. Joan Rivers. I went to do a corporate date in New York I forgot what company it was for, maybe car salesman. I don't know. But uh, I got there, again, without, we travel solo, comics, without agent, manager. And I was supposed to be the headliner. But they got Joan Rivers to uh, come up and do a couple minutes and introduce me. So I arrive at the gig, and I see that there's, as a comic, you need a mic and a stand, and you also need a spotlight.
0: So people know where to like, look. Look, yeah. yes,
1: in a dark room. So I got there, and I said to the tech guy, I see the mic and the stand. I said, um, where is the spotlight? And he looked at me like, Ugh, uh, we don't have it, Cher. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Whatever, it was being right. a dead horse. I was like, not going to have a spotlight. And like most things with comics, when you see that things are not going to go, well, you just grin and bear it. Right. So then Joan came. And Joan walked in. And she was very nice and uh, immediately said hello to me and looked at the stage. And she's like, where's the spotlight? And, of course, this tech guy now is like, oh, I don't, I don't know, Miss Rivers. Well, that's ridiculous. So she bounds on stage to bring me on and literally does her couple of minutes and says, look. Uh, I'm only doing a couple minutes. I'm bringing Carol Leaf on. But I got to tell you, there is no spotlight at this gig. And it is so unprofessional. And you better give her a 1,000% attention because it's no way to run a a corporate event. And you guys should be ashamed of yourself. And walked off. And it really, really helped me. Because then after that, they were so shamed by Joan Rivers. But I love that story. A lot because it also shows the camaraderie right. among comics. And of- what a
0: great woman she was. Yeah, she was like, you know, she. I mean, okay, her act. She could. She was caustic. Yes. But she was classy. Her work ethic. I, I think no yes, one crazy. And and just a kind, kind always showed up. Like mm-hmm. anytime I was doing, like she was so supportive. Yeah. Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. Um, it's Just Kill Me Now. Oh. Don't forget to turn oh. For part two on Just Kill Me... No, it's not. <laughs> it's just, just Kill Me. No, no, Judy Gold's it's Just it's Kill not. Me. Kill Me Now. Just Kill Me Now. <laughs> and uh, everything was wonderful. I'll see you soon. Thank you for the visit. So long.